Good morning, Sun Valley Church, and welcome back to The Voice of the Valley. I am your host, Jeremy Pinch, and today we are continuing a series, um, but also discussing something else um, in regards to suffering. So over the last couple of weeks, we've been we've been going through um, a series about the valley, and uh, we've had families in our church coming in and, and talking about what they've gone through and the hope that they've found in Christ. Uh, and we know it's been a great encouragement to us as a body, and we're so grateful for for those families in, in our lives and grateful that they were here to speak with us. But today we're going to be talking about somebody else who's who's gone through suffering, somebody else who's who's walked um, this path of trial and pain and loss, um, but was faithful unto the end. And as you know, we've been um, highlighting this book, John G. Payton, The Missionary to the Cannibals of the South Seas by Paul Schleyline. And uh, it is a great privilege of mine to be speaking with the author of this book, Paul. And uh, he is on the phone with me. And Paul, uh, thank you so much, first of all, for for being here with us this morning. We are, we are greatly appreciative of your time um, to discuss this book. So thank you. Jeremy, great to be with you. Thanks for inviting me on. Yeah. Um, Paul, can you tell us a little bit about your life um, and and what you're doing um, these days? Sure. Uh, I've been a missionary for the past 13 years to the Tsonga-speaking people in a little rural village in South Africa, Limpopo, South Africa, near the border of Zimbabwe and Mozambique. We are focusing on church planting and training pastors. I've been there since 2006. The Lord's blessed us with uh, six children, and we focus primarily on uh, teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ in the Tonga language to the people in our little village, along with reaching out to those Shonas in Zimbabwe. Hmm. So how did you how did you become um, interested in missions? What what uh, what caused you to to go that path? My mother asked me when I was four years old what I wanted to be when I grew up, and I told her I wanted to be a missionary in the woods. <laughs> and she wrote that down in her diary. Hmm. And the Lord's always kind of put that desire in my heart. I grew up in a great Christian home. And uh, Christian biographies, specifically missionary biographies, were incredibly influential. Uh, Hudson Taylor's two-volume biography was a very formative. Shadow of the Almighty about Jim Elliott was excellent. Born of Yale and a number of those great missionary uh, biographies were really helpful to me. I took short-term mission trips in high school, college, seminary, and then um, went off to the field when I was 25 years old uh, as a single man in 2006, and um, was just living in a little shack for two years with uh, the chief's family, and uh, no running water, and uh, didn't know the language, but I learned the language in that setting. There was a severe crocodile attack that we had in in Mozambique that um, really uh, shook things up, and some of the news got back to the U.S., including the ears of a nursing uh, a nurse and a midwifery 
uh, student at Vanderbilt University, who's now my wife, Melinda. So the Lord used that that trial, that that item of suffering in our own lives uh, to to bring us together. And so we've been there ever since. Uh, ministering to the people that we love. Yeah. Well, praise God. That is that is an incredible story. Um, yeah. Thank you for for giving us a little glimpse into your your life and how you became a missionary. Um, but we're we're here talking about the life of John Payton. How did you how did you become interested in in this man uh, so much so that you would you would write a book about him? Well, I mentioned the great missionary biographies, and one of them is the autobiography of John G. Payton, published in the late 1890s. It's 500 pages, and it is a missionary classic. It cannot be duplicated, and I didn't try to duplicate it, but I also realized how many, um, I wondered how many people in the pew would pick up a 500-page book uh, last published in the 1890s. Now, of course, it's still in print because it's a classic. Uh, but I wanted to I wanted to summarize his life, and then I also wanted to bring into the picture um, his wife's book, which is uh, a good good book alongside of it. It's called Letters and Sketches. So she kind of gives the the female version. Uh, of life on the mission field. So I wanted to bring those two books into play so that the church could be helped by John Payne. It took me about a year and a half to write, and I was just a great journey. Those great missionaries of the past, uh, they all wrote journals, and many of them are forgotten. We don't know their names. They're long forgotten, but some of those great missionaries on the New Hebrides, uh, they wrote a lot, and they, they had a lot to say about the life of John Payton, and I think this can help the church today. Mm. Yeah, I I, uh, I started his autobiography about uh, two years ago, uh, and uh, I had to put it down after like the first chapter because um, the life of, of Payton's father was so convicting. It was mm. it was it was hard to go on. Um, just a, a a man who was so faithful. Um, to the Lord and to his family mm. and training up his children in the way of the Lord was, was so convicting. Mm. I, <laughs> I mm. One of the great takeaways of his life definitely yeah. is, is, uh, is his father. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just reading about that, that lady that was, um, um, sitting underneath his window and listening mm. to, to his, his father pray out, um, mm was so it gives me chills just uh give gives me chills thinking about it so um but yeah what a what an amazing story uh about uh, his father and his faithfulness to his to his son um now you mentioned you mentioned that you you grew up in a, a home um that loved the lord and and uh, um taught you in the ways of the lord and and Peyton grew up in a home similarly um how how did that how did that affect his life um in the long term yeah what what a influence his father was i mentioned in the book that probably the chief source that sent him to the field was really his family. Uh, family worship was a major part of the Peyton home growing up. Uh, John was the oldest of many children. His father was uh, just a sock maker. He was a stocking manufacturer. 
his father had dreams of being in the ministry when he was a younger man, and it never worked out. But he and his wife determined that they were going to put their son on the altar, so to speak, and, and dedicate him to the Lord's service. Fast forward now, John is a very gifted evangelist in Glasgow, Scotland. Uh, he He's unique in that he actually went to the mission field a little bit later on in life. He went in his early 30s. And the reason is because he was so successful uh, as as a minister back home. They were making calls and pleas for missionaries uh, to go to the New Hebrides, where people had heard news of the past of cannibals attacking missionaries and killing them, and no one wanted to go and volunteer. They even cast lots, and they, they still couldn't determine. So finally, John volunteers who says, I'll go, and it kind of backfired on the church. They they didn't want to lose their star minister, so to speak, and so they said, hey, name your price to stay. Uh, then they said, well, the fruit is going to die in the vine, all the work that you've done bringing these people to Christ. It's going to be a waste of your gifting. They tried everything. He wouldn't change his mind. He was discouraged. Then he went back to his home. And there he found his mother and father, who were strongly in favor of him giving his life to the cannibals uh, of the South Seas. You know, we sing the song, Give of Thy Sons to Bear the Message Glorious, but then we say underneath our breath, just as long as it's not my own son, right? So uh, they're a great example of Christian parents uh, in, in our era of the helicopter parent, right? Not not wanting to uh, lose our children anyway and bubble wrapping them so securely that they'll not face any danger. They're a great example of uh, giving their children to the cause of Christ and m- making that the most important thing. Hmm. That's a great example and takeaway that parents can take and read in this book. Yeah, wow. Yeah, convicting for sure. Um, as you read about uh, his parents and their their faithfulness to to their children, um, yeah, wow, yeah. As as he's as he's preparing to go to the South Seas, you mentioned that he he received some flack uh, about going, and uh, his most one of the most famous quotes about Peyton um, comes from this man who says the cannibals you'll be eaten by the cannibals and and. Uh, Peyton responds, Mr. Dixon, you are advanced in years now, and your own prospect is soon to be laid in the grave, there to be eaten by worms. I confess to you that I can but live and die serving and honoring the Lord Jesus. It will make no difference to me whether I am eaten by cannibals or by worms, and in the great day my resurrection body will rise as fair as yours in the likeness of our risen Redeemer. How <laughs> How did Peyton have... Uh, such a resolve or a tenacity um, to go to uh, uh, to the cannibals of the South Seas. Yeah, he wasn't living for this life. He knew that there was a, uh, a future life that awaited him. I mean, what a what a robust theology in that in that reply uh, to to Mister Dixon. Um, what a true statement. We're all going to be eaten by worms one day, so it doesn't really make any difference if I'm eaten by worms or by cannibals. And we really see that that idea, that thread woven through his whole ministry. So he 
he gets to Tana. He's got his 19-year-old wife. And back then, when when you said goodbye to um, to your children, to the mission field, this wasn't, you know, I'll talk to you in a couple weeks on FaceTime. Uh, this was, we may never see each other again on this earth. Some missionaries took their own coffins with them. He gets to Tana. Actually, he gets to the the main island where there was another missionary, John Getty, and he leaves his wife there. They go to Tana, and he starts building a house. His wife comes over a few months later, and uh, within a few months, uh, she dies of malaria. He had built his house too low. Uh, it didn't allow the trade winds to blow away some of the diseases that were there. And then his new son that had just been born, uh, he died uh, some weeks after his wife. And so he dug a single grave and buried his wife and son, essentially arm in arm. He said, I almost went mad beside that lonely grave. Uh, But he wouldn't leave the islands because he was afraid that he'd never be able to uh, be allowed back. So he stayed on the island for four years, essentially running for his life almost every day. I mean, the suffering that he went through was was immense. And uh, finally, after four years, uh, there was an opportunity to flee. And I think there's a lesson there, too. I tried to develop kind of a, a theology of risk in the book because I was trying to determine, you know, when is risk right? And there's a there's a fine line between, you know, being courageous and being a kamikaze and just dying for no reason. So I tried to develop that, and he felt as though it was a great opportunity to leave the island. He was gone for some years, and then he came back to a different island on the on the New Hebrides. He remarried, and that, those were really the fruitful years, 15 years on Aniwa. All, all the while, though, realizing that God has called us to a life of suffering. I minister in, in Sub-Saharan Africa, where the greatest deterrent to our ministry is the prosperity gospel, which, of course, is imported from the United States. And it's the false gospel. It's a false teaching that says that Jesus came to earth to make us healthy and wealthy. If you ask the average pastor a question like, is it always God's will to heal us physically on this earth? And the majority of the time they'll say yes. Well, that's not, that's what, not what Scripture teaches. I mean, we're, we've been called to a life of suffering. And there are so many reasons why trials are good in the Christian life, and Peyton realized that, and he embraced the suffering. It made him a better husband, a better father, a better missionary, hmm. and a better Christian. Yeah, so we, uh, as already mentioned, our church has been going through a, a series talking about suffering and, and how God has used, used suffering to... Um, uh, encourage the saints here, and in in your your book you say 
um, Patton's life in retro- retrospect shows how God was employing these trials to prepare him for greater usefulness. Uh, how does how does the trials that Peyton experienced and and you mention several of them throughout your book? How does how does Peyton's trials um, prepare him for greater usefulness for the gospel? And and, and how does that how does that uh, develop in 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 our day to day lives? You know, just think of, you know, if you just look back at Scripture and all the ways that trials help us. I mean, trials show us God's love, right? The Lord disciplines the one He loves. Um, trials exposes our sin. You think of David, who he said, "I have no health in my bones because of my sin," and the Lord, the Lord used that physical suffering to reveal sin in His life. Trials prepare us for heaven. The, the light momentary affliction is preparing us for a future in glory. Uh, trials teach us humility. Uh, it keeps us from becoming conceited. And I can't help but think that in those early days after coming off 10 years of really successful ministry in Glasgow, that those four years of really arduous work on the islands. He was he did some great things on Tana, but those were not the fruitful years. It was as the Lord was reminding him uh who does the work. And even though he was bent on going to the islands, I mean it took him all of five minutes to essentially say, What am I doing here? He gets on the islands, he sees uh, savages with paint and and not knowing the language and the the ship sails away. I mean, this is this is real frontier pioneer missions, and yet the Lord used that to help him learn the language and to develop humility and to trust in the Lord. Prayer was such a major emphasis in his ministry. A lot of missionaries kind of focus on other kinds of things. You think of Livingston, who focused so much on on exploration. You think of uh, Hudson Taylor focused so much on on uh, the the mission itself and and bringing missionaries to China, and you think of Robert Morrison, for example, who focused so much on linguistics. But Peyton was an evangelist. Peyton, to me, is the quintessential missionary because he he seems to reflect so much of what the the early apostles did in the Book of Acts. He went out to establish indigenous churches. He didn't want to plant Glasgow churches. He wanted to plant essentially self-supporting, self-sustaining, self-governing churches on the islands, uh, raising up elders, giving them the gospel of Jesus Christ. There was a, a side of social ministry that he did, but it was focused primarily on establishing local indigenous churches. And that's what he did for 15 years on Aniwa. And I don't think he could have done that. Uh, without those four years of of suffering, the trials help us so much uh, for others to see Christ in us. Uh, our bodies, Scripture says, share in the death of Jesus. Why? So that the life of Jesus can be seen in our bodies. Hmm. And um, I think that's very much true when you look at the life of Peyton. Yeah. So when we when we look at Peyton. Um, should should our thoughts be i want to be like peyton or i want to i want to know what what drove peyton 
to become what he was, if that makes sense. I, I don't know if that question makes sense or not, but yeah, we want to do the latter. Uh, we want to do the latter, but um, I don't think we the the former was wrong either. I mean, First Corinthians eleven one, Paul said, "Imitate me." So he wanted people to imitate him, but of course he said, "Imitate me as I imitate Christ." So I think uh, Scripture does not just say imitate Christ, right? We have Hebrews 11 and those great lives that uh, we can take great examples from in the the Hall of Faith. So those are great men that we can follow and, of course, only follow them as as they followed Christ. I think Peyton is a great example, but ultimately we want to find the root. We want to find what is it that motivated them. Not all all of us are going to be like Peyton. Few of us are going to be like Peyton. So we have to be faithful in the place that the Lord has, uh, that the Lord's called us to. And I think there are some things that really motivated him in his setting. And in our setting might be different, but the same things can motivate us. One of us, one of them would be how the Lord used trials um, uh, to save the lost. Paul said, I endure everything for the elect's sake, that they may obtain salvation. So Peyton was, Paul and Peyton was willing to suffer for the gospel's sake so that others could come to Christ. And wherever our setting is today, uh, we need to be willing to suffer so that others can come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what a what an amazing... What an amazing life um, to to learn about. Um, it, it it seems like as as I was reading this book, and as you have already mentioned, that Peyton wasn't about the the um, the popularity. He wasn't about the the um, gaining fame. He was he was more um, uh, possessed by the. Uh, uh, making Christ known like he his his goal was to make Christ known and if that meant uprooting and moving to the south seas that's that was his response um so what would be what would be your encouragement cuz m- many of us probably will not go um be a missionary to you know a different people group but what would be a takeaway or a few takeaways that you would say um would benefit a church that you know how can we how can we emulate this man in our day-to-day lives uh, here? Yeah, I think it's a good question. Uh, I think the reading this book is really important. Whether you read the autobiography or the biography itself, um, I think the biography can be helpful for young people. I think it could be helpful for the person in the pew, and it's even used in some seminaries as well, in missions classes. I think one of the big takeaways from Peyton's life is just his courage. It's just running through the whole book. He was a courageous man, and we need examples like that. We need men that we can read, and they're going to put steel in our spines, and they're going to give us courage, especially in our very comfortable setting of 21st century America, where uh, oftentimes our, our level of self-denial is very small. We we need stories like this. We need to see examples of men who forsook all to go to a dangerous place, uh, who was countercultural, going against 
not just a secular flow, but going against the flow of broad evangelicalism. Uh, we need examples like that. So courage is a great, a great takeaway from Peyton. Um, it's, uh, it's one of the major themes. The book reads, the autobiography reads really like a thriller uh, because he's just always running for his life. And um, he just faced so many difficulties. Another one would be evangelism. He was an evangelist at heart. He loved the gospel, and he loved telling others about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he loved the doctrines of grace, uh, God's sovereignty in all things, including salvation. That was not a deterrent to his ministry. Uh, it was a catalyst for his ministry. Uh, you think of the example in Acts 18, when Jesus came to Paul in a dream, Paul was discouraged, and essentially Jesus said, don't leave, because I have my people in this village. Maybe, hadn't heard the gospel yet, but in a sense, they were still his sheep, still his people. And then encouraged Paul, he said, I want to be a part of this. Uh, I'm not going to leave. If you have your people... I know you use means, the means would be evangelism, to to save your people. So Paul remained there a year and a half. That ought to be encouraging to us. If we have unsaved loved ones or family members or coworkers or neighbors, and they just seem so closed to the gospel. Look, the Lord has his people. It's not our job to save. It's our job to give the gospel to every creature, and it's the Holy Spirit's work. Uh, to save people. That's a great example that we see in the life of Peyton. And then finally, I'd probably say family. He was a great uh, a great father. Many of his children became missionaries. Uh, his brothers respected him. His brother James was the editor of the autobiography. Uh, he adored his parents, his mother, and his father, but especially his father, till the, till the day of his death. He spoke often of them. And uh, a lot of families today losing their children. Uh, and this would be a good book uh, to find some really good truths about parenting and how to love your children. Hmm. Well, Paul, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to to discuss the life of, of John Payton and to let us know a little bit about your life and what you're doing. Thank you again so much for taking the time out of your day. Pleasure to be with you, Jeremy. Thank you. If you want to uh, read more about Paul Schleyline, um, you can go to his blog or his website um, at betweentwocultures.com. And uh, he has um, posts that he you make regularly, it seems like. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a great website to, to check out and, uh, and learn more about Paul. So I would encourage you to, to go there. And also, if you have not read this book or have not picked it up, uh, I would encourage you to do so. I don't think we have any more on the bookshelf, but um, go to any online resources, Amazon, uh, Christian Book, uh, Banner of Truth, and, and pick up this copy of John G. Patton by Paul Schleyland. It is, it's a great book, it's a great resource, uh, and it's a great encouragement. Uh, and, and I guarantee that you will not be disappointed uh, reading through this book. So... Uh, I'd encourage you to pick up a copy of it. Church, we love you. We look forward to being with you on Sunday and next week on The Voice of the Valley. Have a great day.